Polyhedron is a production of Headcanon Games, LLC. Please bookmark Headcanon Games for the latest in Polyhedron news. Polyhedron is sponsored by listeners like yourself. If you'd like to become a patron of Polyhedron, please go to patreon.com polyhedron. Now, on with your show. Welcome to Polyhedron, your multifaceted podcast for everything RPG-related. I'm your host, Matthew, and as always, I have my two co-hosts, Ryan. I don't want to talk about Dark Souls. Well, you just you just did. Damn it. And Scott. What's Dark Souls? I don't know what that... What, oh, what let's talk that? about Dark Souls. Everyone just sit in nice and comfy. Well, welcome to the Dark Souls podcast, everybody, <laughs> where we talk so, about nothing but, but Dark Souls. No, that's not actually true. We're going to talk about a whole bunch of that. But uh, it seems that everyone's in good spirits this evening. Well enough, yeah. I suppose, considering the gloomy I mean, atmosphere of this podcast. Uh, but your wife just fed us chili, and it was very tasty, so, you know. Uh, that's true. Yeah. It does. Hey, don't tell them that she's out of the cave. They haven't given to Patreon yet. <laughs> <laughs> you, oh. you guys cannot see how furious I am right now. Oh, by furious you mean the huge grin on your face. That's also really funny. Yeah. I'm not afraid, really and that's funny. all that matters. Yep. But anyways, I think for this episode, we're going to put some drapes over the windows, and we're going to lower the lights. And, we're uh, going to put our black eyeliner on, yep. and we're going to light some blood candles. Staple our our hands to our foreheads. Yup. Uh, this episode is mostly going to be about uh, horror and dark fantasy. But before we get to that uh, end of the podcast, what news do we bring? Because somebody made a promise. I have one for once. I forgot I made the promise, by the way. Thank you for telling me before I got here that I, I made a promise. Um, so Free RPG Day just happened recently. Oh, yeah. uh, free RPG Day is when a bunch of retailers uh, release a bunch of free content of their uh, different systems. Uh, Catalyst, who does Shadowrun, Paizo, who does Pathfinder, Goodman Games, who does the Dungeon Crawl Adventures, all release content for this. And um, so basically you go find a retailer who's, you know, participating and you go play these games for free. Everyone does it a little differently, depending on what games they want to play. Um, also a group called Saving Throw, which is a, which is a streaming channel who does video game uh, tutorial series for each, for different RPGs, did a 24 hour stream in honor of RPG day. And every dollar donated for the next month is going to be given to Alzheimer's research, which is, Super good. I always like when people leverage our our hobby to do good stuff because you know, someone our mothers always said, "What are you gonna do with all the dungeons and the dragons? What you doing over there?" And well, mom, I'm gonna help cure Alzheimer's. So screw you. I never, never, I would never say that to my mother. I would never say that. What? I mean, yeah. The um, I mean, there's a lot of actually good gamer charities. I mean, Child's Play mm. uh, is another one. Um, but just speaking of new stuff, um, something that we mentioned last uh, podcast. Uh, was the project uh, that was started by some friends of ours uh, called the Let's Play Together. Uh, no, it's called the Play Together Project. Indeed. Uh, and it is a streaming RPGs that you know get then get chopped up and put on the YouTubes. Uh, and uh, some friends of ours are running that, and so we are eagerly looking forward to it. They just had their first stream. Uh, what you know, as of as of this sit, sitting down to record this podcast was the previous Thursday, and they're going to start that uh, every Thursday and then uh, ramp up from there. Excellent. Um, so, uh, you yeah, may be able to see, best of luck to them on that. You may be able to see our beautiful faces. Uh, which, At some point. Well, At some point or other, 
we're still that we're still ironing out the kinks uh, on that. But anyway, absolutely giving a shout out to them, uh, the Play Together Project. You can find them on Twitch, on Facebooks. Uh, they're gonna have a YouTube channel soon, uh, if not already. Uh, so, they do already have one. Uh, yeah, then give it a shot. Uh, check them out. They just played a Cipher System game. Yep, which is uh, I believe a Monty Cook. Yeah, it's a Monty system. Cook thing. Um, which when he's not shitting up the world of darkness, he actually does makes some good games. Yeah, his other games are it's quite true. good. Like he's like ninety nine percent. Hit rate, you know, yeah. his one, but his one percent is so big. It's like <laughs> yeah. the American economy. I, I think what he did was like, "Can I have a check, please?" I think I that's may, what that happened. He may have just been hungry. I yeah, don't know. Hungry. I don't know. Maybe, maybe the the commission. Those were some dark times. Yeah. Were they? But anyway, times. anyway, uh, check that out, and maybe in the near future we'll be playing some games on that. Yeah. Uh, look forward to it. Um, also, news that I'd like to bring up. Uh, something I just read about. Um. If people are familiar with the old world of darkness, um, obviously the Onyx Path people are still cranking out some stuff, and they're bringing some new content, and one of the Kickstarters they're starting on Thursday is called Beckett's Jihad Diary, which, if anyone is familiar with the older world of darkness, understands who Beckett is. He's an old gangrel nautist who, this Kickstarter looks very interesting, because what it's going to be is one part fiction, uh, one part source book, for like all of the like weird tales and situations that uh, Beckett found himself leading up to and during uh, Gehenna. Yeah, I actually, uh, I, I saw a talk that uh, Martin Ellickson did uh, recently, and he discussed, like, kind of talking about what we talked about last time, uh, how the, the new White Wolf crew is dealing with all the Gehenna, Apocalypse, Ascension stuff that happened, the Time of Judgment, is they're saying all that stuff pretty much happened uh but what you know of it consider that you know it through an unreliable narrator um you know of of you know various identities but are unreliable for um, unreliable narrator for vampire uh, they've they've put a face to that and that's going to be beckett and his his jihad diary is going to be the book that deals with that may i point out one thing though the whole you know, bright red bleeding star in the sky thing. That's a little bit hard to just be like, uh, you don't, you don't know. I mean, like, yeah, there's a bleeding red star in the sky, but what was it? What did it mean? What effects did it have? Hmm. Like, that's that's a thing. That I mean, I guess be... that was they an actually, optional it, set piece. In the Werewolf Twenty book, they actually address that. They actually talk about that that the the star in the sky is it's updated canon in that the star is gone. It is not there. The uh, Antihelios is gone. So they're already moving with the W20 books. They've already moved some of the canon past Gehenna. Ah, uh, yeah, I haven't touched it since you know, yeah. Time of Judgment, so I guess what what the fuck do I yeah, know? Yeah, so that Kickstarter starts on the 23rd, which is this Thursday of June. Um, and that is the news, guys. So who's um, running Vampire on, let's, on, on our on our on the play channel. I don't know. Uh, me want vampire. Me, me want vampire. You but... want vampire? We'll, we'll talk about that later. Just keep it in your pants and we'll talk. You can't tell me what to do. Yes, I can actually. Okay. He can hit that. <laughs> he can hit that mute button at any time. I just unplug it all, riot. Woo! Anyway, so yeah, uh, we're we're focusing on a genre, a specific genre, the horror and dark fantasy, and we. we we say those as one genre because, uh, uh, as we were discussing before the podcast, um, horror and dark fantasy is really kind of a spectrum. Um, you, whenever you're doing horror and horror or dark fantasy, um, it's it's really hard to do pure horror. Yes, it is really hard to do pure horror uh, because 
horror has like to, to do horror well you have to play on things like hopelessness uh you know terror um things, fear fear things that really sort of rob you of your agency and your protagonism mm -hmm. uh and in a role-playing game that's really not what most people sign up yeah, for Yeah, exactly it still needs to be fun and it's really hard horror isn't fun like if you get to true horror it's it's fun to watch Mm -hmm. It's not fun to love, be in horror. I love reading it. I like sometimes watching it. But honestly, in any attempt I've ever seen to actually portray a horror setting, like purest horror in a tabletop setting, it's like, why don't you just kill me? Just whatever. Just fucking kill me. This is this is pointless, and I'm just scared. I'll just kill myself. Here, let so, me do it for you. Like, so, yeah. So when dealing with horror in a tabletop setting or in a role-playing setting, uh, you know, tabletop, LARP, uh, computer, or video game, what you're most likely going to run into is primarily the dark fantasy genre um, with spikes of horror. Mm -hmm. uh, and one of the best sort of, like, way to sum up fantasy and dark fantasy and horror is by using uh, the first two Alien movies. Yes. Um, the Alien movie, uh, Alien, singular, uh, is horror. Um, there is next to nothing that any of our of our heroes can do against the terrible thing that is stalking them. They try, they fail. It is only it is only by the thinnest of margins that one of them, plus a cat, survives. Um, and and even that, she's you know you know stranded out in space, and and who knows when she's going to make it home. Uh, so I mean that's that's pretty pure hopelessness. And monumentally screwed up by the whole experience. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, human. You, you got. Fears of claustrophobia. Everything's tight. All everything's the tight. everything's damp all the time. Mm -hmm. Damp. Uh, you even like the architecture of the ship makes the creature hard to see. Mm -hmm. And the less you see of the creature, the more terrifying it is because you do, no one knows what's there. We don't know where it could be. Uh, it could be around any corner, and that ranches up the tension. So that's horror. Mm -hmm. Whereas dark fantasy. Aliens, uh, dark, which is a great example of dark fantasy, you know, you've got a lot of the same set pieces there. You know, the monster is very, it's, it's the same monster, there's just lots more of them. Um, but you're, very few of our characters are truly helpless. Uh, you know, you have badass marines that have badass weaponry, combat training, um, and while there is a high rate of attrition in that movie, a very high rate of and attrition. And they're in, in a situation movie, that is horrific in that. They're unfamiliar. They're not specifically trained for this. This is not what they expected. They're outgunned. They're outmanned. But they still mount a a heroic defense mm -hmm. against the the creatures that are coming. That's to them. mainly Ripley, though. That's like the uh, that's our protagonist. That's our protagonist. Yeah, but I mean, all of those Marines kill dozens and dozens of aliens mm -hmm. before they're eventually taken out. Yeah, in, in opposition to the first one, where you know. It was kind of a one-and-done scenario yeah, for the yeah. entire group of people. Yeah, it's like, you know, the one, that one creature had a kill count that was, was outstanding, whereas the kill-death ratio on aliens is actually... It, it, it's, it's a little it, bit more it's even. a little bit more even. Had to get the KD right. Yeah, exactly. KD I mean, right. It, yeah, so um, they are... It is a fundamentally less horrific... It's still scary, but it's a fundamentally less horrific scenario that they're in because they're not helpless. They're not deprotagonized. Uh, they 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 have some agency and some control over their lives. They're still in a shitty situation. Still, the majority of them die. Uh, but it's that sort of subtle difference between 
you know, how much control do our heroes have? Mm-hmm. And translating that into role-playing games, that's entirely entirely a thing. I mean, a horror game is one where you know you are a small thing and the terrible things are all around you and there's very little you can do and you're probably aiming for survival more than anything else mm-hmm. more than any sort of victory or uh, the achieving of goals other than survival um whereas in dark fantasy it's more traditional because you're a role-playing character you are competent you have powers you have abilities you have cool swords it's proactive versus reactive mm-hmm. in a horror game your players are likely to be more reactive than they are proactive and even when they are proactive it's not likely to succeed or or only stall the inevitable whereas in a dark fantasy if they're proactive they're actually going to make progress against whatever obstacles in their way and they'll actually potentially get ultimate victory no matter the cost and so in that scenario when you're in a dark dark fantasy scenario it's actually very easy to drop in little bits of horror. Like, yeah, you're competent, and you can kick a lot of monster ass, and maybe maybe it's an uneven battle. Maybe you're, 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 not, you're not swathing through orcs left and right. Maybe it, you have to fight for every inch. But every now and then, you drop in the dragon, mm. and there's nothing you can do against the dragon. Yeah, or, or the big bad has got your sister and killed her for a dark ritual. It's like, you had no control of that. You lost agency. Or even if you attempted to go save her, mm-hmm. you failed. That's horror. Failing can be a part of horror because you tried, but even personal failed. horror. Yeah. Well, that's that's where White Wolf really kind of squared that circle uh, as of sort of saying, you know, when you're dealing with other creatures in the most in the world of darkness, you're pretty firmly in dark fantasy land because you're a monster. You've yeah. got powers. You've got abilities. You're strong. Um, you are an agent in this world. You are an agent world. in this story. And there may be things more powerful than you, but you can always team up. You can always do things. But where they brought the horror in, uh, and this is probably one of its most uh, revolutionary at the time element, was where the horror came in was when you had to look inward, when you had to deal with yourself. Mm. And you know the, very, the, the fact that you are a monster and that you are struggling with things that can overpower you, but those things come from it within. Like, you know, the vampire has to deal with his beast and the loss of his humanity. The werewolf has to deal with this unbridled sense of rage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the mage has to deal with the fact that reality... The reality kind of exists in his own head, and if he can... And if the mage can't get a handle on that, the amount of damage he can do to himself in the world is catastrophic. So- similar vein to extend that further into changeling connected to mages they both deal with the world is much much darker than we'd like it to be the mm-hmm. world we have to go wow i see such a bright wonderful world that i live in but everything but the vast majority of the world is dark and oppressive and just grim and mm-hmm. no matter what i do it, the light keeps going out yeah and that's have you been reading my tumblr yeah. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> but yeah, there's a lot of personal horror yeah, in, in the White Wolf thing, and that's where they really, that's where they really sold it. Yes, you're a big, powerful, mean monster. You can kill 85 cops. That's wonderful, but you're gonna have to live with the fact that those motherfuckers had families. And that's and... actually what New Wad started doing, I believe, if I remember correctly. There's always been a big uh, hadoo about morality systems in White Wolf, uh, and later on in 
the new odd stuff and the chronicles of darkness they started looking at humanity and all the moral moral traditions and started re-examining them to the point of going instead of it being about like your sense of good or evil it's more about when you have to deal with your own sanity when you are confronted with the fact that you're not a human even though you still think like a human being you're not a human being unknown armies also plays a shit ton with how hardened and how screwed up you are to the point where i believe in the new third edition system and i don't know this is just the larb translation that i've seen your you know your vi your hardened nature is actually plays directly into how good you are at things like are you hardened to violence well guess what you're pretty you might get a little better at violence by doing that did you screw up and are you a little bit screwed up because of the terrors you've seen you might not be so ready to stab a dude with a knife you know yeah and it your all insanity can't take hold depending on the situation you're in because you're so used to it yeah absolutely i mean that and that's like i said that's a very good way to balance you know horror and dark fantasy fun and that sort of emotional catharsis that horror comes because while while you know, we play role-playing games for fun. I mean, that that's also another source of our enjoyment is catharsis. Catharsis might not be fun. No. Catharsis might not, might not, you know, you might not, you know, tell great stories about, oh, I killed this, killed all the orcs and I, and I, and I saved the princess and whatnot. Uh, and, and it's less, you know, jovial to say, you know, I went through a dark harrowing thing that made me confront some emotions and, and really work. You feel more you feel better about your accomplishment. You feel you have earned it. Hence, AKA going back to dark souls. This is why people like playing dark souls is it's hard. It's a hard game. They have to go through, they have to confront things that are challenging. And when they succeed, guess what? You feel better about it. You feel more competent. As far as like outward horror goes, like you can talk about the inner horror and the emotion and the fear all day long. But I just, I have, I have the hardest time believing that you can actually create sort of that external sense of horror and actual fear response at a tabletop setting. I just don't think it, you can do it. It requires atmosphere. Mm. And you know what you really can't have in your living room on, on a Saturday afternoon? You can't create the atmosphere where anyone's actually going to be scared of anything. Mm. We're, we're still a bunch of grognardy assholes sitting around a <laughs> table. Eating and, Cheetos and drinking And I know dude. my stats, motherfucker, so unless you're going to be an unfair GM and take my power away from me, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to win. And that's... And, and that's kind of the difficulty of when it, when people talk about horror and tabletop games. I always I always chuckle a little bit because it basically is just mean you're talking about the Call of Cthulhu tabletop game where you have to bring a binder of character sheets because oh good the, I I just died due to a random like some dude thing. went insane shot my head off or Yay. I saw the great the great unknown one and my brain melted out. Good of my luck ears. representing that in a way that actually bothers me. Well, well I mean I mean that's when you bring in things like LARP and exactly. uh, video games and all or that good stuff. Or atmosphere that's not in the afternoon uh, on a Saturday. You do it late at night. You do candlelight. Yeah, yeah, you I've done that up. before. You LARP it up. It's yep. okay. Yeah, LARPing is the only actual way that I've seen that allows to inject the correct atmosphere for Horde to take root on a more uh, visceral level. You can turn inward all day long, but unless you the light's down low and you're seeing some shit that you ought not see... Like you're not gonna scare me. That's when you. That's when your storyteller actually has to be a storyteller. Mm -hmm. They have to, with their words and actions, really have to 
invoke and really get into your character's headspace. Um, one game that tried to do that for a long time that was a great experiment, which is Wraith, oh. which was, I mean, you're playing a dead dude um, who not only has to fight against the idea that you're a ghost and you don't matter to the world of the living anymore, but there's a darkness sitting in the back of your mind that's all at once is for you to end it all. Like, let go of everything and just rip it all down and cease to exist. Yeah, well, I mean, Wraith was sort of the epitome of personal horror, and, and uh, like, I think I think what Ryan's saying is, you know, that sort of stuff, yes, tabletop is, is a fairly good place to play yeah. that out, uh, to you know, sort of, you know, deal with sort of inward-looking emotional things. But I do agree with him that tabletopping external horror uh, the idea of like difficult. fighting monsters and terrible things happening to you, and not you being a terrible thing or having you know a, a, a terrible internal. You just thing. being a normal dude, and Jason Voorhees is trying to get. Yeah, exactly. That that's really hard to pull off. I'm sure there are games that that simulate that, but I I don't know of any game that I don't know of any game that does external horror and is not just dark fantasy yeah being called because oh. i mean that's the thing dark fantasy is we use that term amongst our circle of of, of friends and I, I don't know how widespread of a, of a term it is because when a lot of people are talking about horror they're really talking about dark fantasy yeah. because that that distinction that we talked about so a lot of things call itself horror but is not really yeah so things that are labeled horror especially in the tabletop community I, I don't think they, they pass muster. Well, then here's a good question uh, that leads us on forward in this topic is, well, what about board games? Can they invoke a sense of horror? Because I've seen board games, I've played board games, where it definitely had a sense of tension. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that was a tension of being afraid. Obviously, I'm playing a board game. Matthew mm -hmm. is not afraid. But in some respects, I'm I'm... I'm getting close to that sense of horror when I play a board game where I'm like, well, was it House of Haunted Hill or Betrayal? Yeah, you know, I don't know. I've felt I've never felt anything while playing those games other than annoyed. Like, hmm. yeah, my my annoyance at like the random bullshit that can happen to you isn't fear to me. Like, I'm not a, I'm not scared. I, mean, I don't it's, feel it's, anything. It's intellectually horror. I'm playing. I mean, to, I'm like, still playing to win. Yeah, exactly. You're still playing. You're playing to win. Um, you recognize that you are in a horrific, quote, air quotes, uh, environment and, you know, horror movie style things are happening, but it's an intellectual exercise. It's, it's, I, I think that those sort of things really don't summon up the horror because it's very easy to detach yourself from the mini on the board. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that's, that's, you don't have a character, like, you have no emotional investment in that many. Um, it, it's a very broad strokes, you know, person, quote, um, but it's not, not a character. Uh, and so there's nothing to connect with in those situations. They can be fun and they can be interesting from, a, like I said, you can appreciate the horror intellectually, but I don't think you're ever going to actually feel you like, it. it. Like it appeals aesthetically to a person. You like the aesthetics of the horror and I, dark and, fantasy and, and I love that. I love. Listen, I ran haunted houses for years. Like I'm about. I I, I love fractured for all what it does. I like the aesthetics of horror, but honestly, until you have put me in a place where I actually have to like, quote unquote, fight for my life a little bit, there, you're not gonna scare me. Okay, and that's fair. I mean, and uh, so I mean, what other 
board games, card games have we interacted with that that would be appeal to people intellectually uh, as far as being horror or dark fantasy driven well uh, there's an adorable game called gloom I, I forget what the name of the company is that makes it and uh they did another one with grim's fairy tales also but there are these clear uh the point of gloom is you have a family and it's your job to kill them and it's um using the saddest story possible <laughs> Uh, the all the cards in the deck are clear plastic and have different symbols and scores on them and stuff. And depending on what symbols are exposed as you stack these cards up, determines you know the gloominess of this person's existence and until their final demise, in which they are locked in score. And the person who wins is the person who, after one person has killed off their fa their four members of their family has the saddest story Aww. with the most bad things happening. <laughs> so, i.e. the highest, or in this case, most negative. I believe it's the most negative score, actually. <laughs> like, it's an actual negative number. So, and, and that's, I mean, and that, again, that's appealing to the aesthetic of it. Like, that's, oh, no, he went, he, he dug like, too deep into an arcade. You can feel horrified at this. Now, I guess you can feel horrified if you're like, wow, this would be super terrible in real life. Yeah, but it, this but isn't real life. In the sense that when you read off the story elements to me, because part of the game is once you've killed everyone's family, they read off what happened to the family in order. Like, and in the sense that you're just, like, you laugh because it's just so terrible. And, like, what else can a person do when they hear about Oh, he got hit by a carriage after delving too deep into an arcane tome. After a cat gouged one of his eyes out, like, like that's that's all horror elements. But it really just makes me chuckle because it's silly. Um, I just thought of a game, a uh, fairly recent game, last few years, uh, that did, if not horrify me, genuinely upset me. Um, it's a game called The Stanley Parable, uh, hmm. and there is a section in that game. Uh, that I played through, uh, and after about like a minute worth of playing this game, I was getting upset because it played a trick on you, and it played that trick for a really long time, uh, and it 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 started to have that sort of this must be what going crazy feels like. Um, it, and, is it the what's the part where you're walking down the stairs yeah, and you just keep walking yeah, down it's, the it's, stairs it's, and you just keep yeah, walking the, down it's the stairs? It's the yeah, it's it's the infinite loop thing that just goes on for a really long time, uh, with like minor variations and 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 things like that. That legitimately upset me. Is like, this what what type what what's the format? It's a computer game. It's a, it's okay. source engine, source PC source engine. Okay, Most of the cool, game cool. is not that. It's, it's very lighthearted. It's very lighthearted and fun and weird and whatnot. But that particular section, just it, I got upset playing that. Now video games, as opposed, to video games can do the hell out of horror. Oh yeah. Like you can get you. you get I immer because you get immersed in. Yeah, that. because you're. Maybe you are playing this shit alone in your room at night. Maybe there is headphones on. And maybe there is atmosphere that you can actually have attack you. Like I just watched the, uh, I watched the Resident Evil Seven uh, trailer, in a room full of people in a lit room, and everyone was in pant shitting terror the Damn. entire time. Like just the tension that that built when, up was so good. When I watched. Um... About two years ago, when PT hit oh, the PT. PlayStation Store, and I watched friends play it, I watched other people. Play it. I didn't play it myself because I'm a giant chicken. Uh, 
it was legitimately horrifying. Uh, oh yeah, a little bit okay. of a little bit of horror backstory for Matthew. Many many moons ago, uh, I worked for Kroger as a bagger when I was a teenager, and on one of my breaks, I went over to the magazine stand and I picked up like the latest Game Informer or whatnot. Can't remember specifically. And they had an article for the very first Silent Hill. I read about the synopsis of Silent Hill, what it was basically about. And one of the things is like, oh yeah, and you have this radio that uh, that fires off static whenever monsters are near. I immediately would close that magazine, put it on the shelf, and said to myself, Matthew, you are never playing Silent Hill. <laughs> to this day, I've never played any of the Silent Hill games. Because just reading about it started invoking in me what the tension in the horror would be like to play this game. And when I watched PT, I was like, I can I go vomit slash shit my pants now because this is all hitting all the right buttons to just make me utterly terrified. Uh, my uh, one of my greatest regrets is that uh, PT got pulled out before we could stick it in a VR headset. Oh my because god! People oh, I'm sure do- somebody was ripping off ripping out PT out of the PlayStation Four to make that work. Uh, they've already done it with the Resident Evil Seven. It was actually already set up to be done with a VR headset, and apparently. That has been really, really scaring people. There are re- reaction videos of people just like, like cringing in chairs. Yeah, okay, no it's offense. Just... I watched it. It's horrifying. No, it's not Del Toro, and it's not Kojima. It's not, they're not doing it together. PT is it's, is this like perfect little snowflake that oh, can never be replicated? No, no. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna reveal something here. I have not watched PT because I'm too scared. <laughs> Dude, I'm too scared. I'm oh, honestly a wa- little... Watch the Game Grumps playthrough. It's, 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 oh, it's, it's funny scary. Okay, it's to, funny hear, scary. to hear Danny squeal yeah. over and over again? Because I know it's all atmospheric oh, and yeah. none of it's jumpy. Mm-hmm. It's a little, oh, some... no, there's definitely some jump stuff Oh, in there. I hate jump scares so much. Well, just, you know, have, have Danny and Aaron walk you through it. And okay. then be jovial. jovial. I think, I think He'll be my angle and my that's devil. How I, that's how I watched it. Oh, they're hilarious. I uh, definitely recommend them. I mean, I watched and to bring the mood up a little bit because horror and dark fantasy can really weigh down a conversation. Is I remember when I first got introduced to Five Nights at Freddy's, mm-hmm. I thought it was both scary and hilarious all at the same time. I can't play those games. Uh, the, the, Anything that that's fueled out of jump scares, yeah. I I just can't do it. Well, it's, it just uh, it's too hard for me. Like I I'm not I'm not that twitchy. Yeah. Like I I don't have the twitch reactions. To, to, to do that, so I played the first one for maybe about an hour and just got made made no headway in it. And yeah, it was too jump scary and it was too um, technically too, too technically difficult. I, I think this just shows a really big like gap in the genre and like gap in the format because like as we said, like yeah, tabletop it's damn near impossible. Like they're just such different formats. True horror. Okay, let's pause real quick. Back, I would say with RPGs. You can invoke real horror, but it requires every single person at that table to really be committed to that idea. And to and get to play a table it. together where no one's going to be like, yeah. or something when yeah. when they when something and like you have to get the artsy fartsiest of friends yeah. to do that. Well, I mean, I, and I think I think uh, going back to what we said, uh, it's a lot easier to do it when the style of horror that you're playing is personal horror, hmm. uh, when it's is the inward looking. You know, uh, try, wrestling with your actions and your nature, sort of horror. Um, you know, trying to replicate the jump scare in in a tabletop, really hard. Trying trying to to replicate the sort of the hopelessness of a of like say a Japanese horror movie, like The Ring or The Grudge or something like that. It's so hard. Oh man, 
Um, It'd be so worth it, I think, if you could pull it off. I, I, I mean, this is to the point where, like, we we went at Dragon Con two years ago to a horror in an RPGs thing, and they spent an entire hour talking about this exact subject, talking about methodologies that they used to, like, try to invoke these feelings in their players. And I just, while I was sitting there the entire time, I just want to be like, bullshit. That's bullshit. It didn't work. There's no way that would work. That would never, ever work on me. I mean, it, again, it, just like any media of entertainment, like movies, like books, mm-hmm. suspension of disbelief, guys. It's yeah. about how much are you committed into what you're doing that you're willing to pull back the veil of reality and really believe what's going on. Obviously, yeah, for an RPG, it's much harder, and I totally agree with you, Ryan, about that. It'd be extre- It's the most difficult of all of the ones we've talked about to do it. I I'm talking about ultra-hard mode, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I, course, I, guys, I welcome I, it. I welcome I, it. I mean, I'm, I'm just sitting here, like, thinking about stuff that I have planned and fractured. Yeah. Because uh, cause I've, been, I've been giving this, this uh, some thought about how to scare people and how to you know how to how to bring bring that sort of element because fractured the LARP that uh, I'm I'm a, on staff for uh, is a horror dark fantasy LARP uh, you know mostly dark fantasy but we try and drop in those moments of horror when we can and uh, challenge accepted that's fine yeah okay, I mean, I've been well, genuinely scared. Yeah, I've been actually, scared. the entire time you were talking about I was like okay I'm gonna I'm going through my head what game could I run with Ryan in which. I really probably pull out all the stops and try to see if I can get him into being afraid at the table. So what we need to do is we need to have some sort of game where you have to deal with like crippling debt or like medical issues or you know. Maybe, oh man. Maybe oh, re- man. maybe relationship troubles. Uh, oh, oh, oh no. Man, no thanks. As I look up to my player. <laughs> yeah. This, and I look down at the character sheet. Is this all I am? Am I just this? Am I just this pile of debt and maladies? <laughs> oh, sweet Christ. <laughs> oh, oh, that's the name of the game, Debt and Maladies. Oh, great oh, done. idea. Done. Great idea. Done. Put it on there. Yep. All right. Debt and Maladies. Kickstarter 2017. Oh, that reminds, God, that reminds me of buttery wholesomeness. Oh. oh. I'll get on to another another episode. I'll talk to you guys about whole and buttery wholesomeness. Well, I, I know all about buttery wholesomeness. And, I have no fucking idea what and, you're talking about. Free base and... well, I'll do some more research and I'll, we're going to bring Ray game to this conversation because this is like ancient oh. like street lore, RPG street lore here. But anyway, it's back to what we were talking about. So we talked about RPGs, uh, tabletops. Mm-hmm. We talked about board games, card games, and we started getting into some video game stuff. Oh yeah. Um. So, so I would say another couple good examples of horror, or at least the use of horror tropes. There's a game called Franbo. It's a it's a old it's not old, but it uses the old style of point and click adventure game. Mm. And what Franbo is about is about a little girl, um, who suddenly her parents are killed. They're murdered in front of her, and she believes a terrible spirit thing from another dimension has done it. And the entire game is her adventure of solving the murder and figuring out what's going on. All the while, she's constantly confronted with obviously fantastical, horrific creatures. Mm-hmm. And you constantly have the player can choose to solve puzzles. You can go into your normal reality mm-hmm. where everything's as it is, or you, and, or you take go, your meds. Or you take your meds. You take these red pills that take you to the ultra reality where everything's horrific and twisted and messed up. And, the and entire... all of a sudden you have a way less respect for women for some reason. I just, you know. 
Okay, I know next to nothing about that game. This game, so I'm gonna have to check that out. Well, it's because it's, that that was a weird comment. What red pills? Oh. Okay. Oh. 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 Uh, let's not let's not invoke that horror. Um, well, we already invoked the patriarchy a while back. We should so all be I guess it's only fair. Yeah, we should. Uh, but anyways, with Frambo, you are a little girl, a little gothic girl who has her Mr. Midnight, who's her animal companion, who's like her only real friend. Oh my! Uh, he's actually a cat and a talking cat. So go figure. Well, there you go. Yeah, and it's really cool. And the entire most of the game has you feeling like. The imagery is she just crazy, or is this actually real? Yeah, and the imagery in it, like when you go into hyperrealism world, the Red Pill Land, up. it is disgusting. Like yeah. it is not for the faint of heart. Anyone listening? Yeah. It's viscera and bleeding and oh, God, sorceress that, rituals. That makes me think about Catherine. Yes, uh, uh, Catherine. Actually, Catherine's another good example. Um, it, you're definitely playing. It's a puzzler, but it's also it's very much a yeah. It is a horror puzzler because while you can you can win the game the questions and the things mm-hmm. you have to confront are very horrific well i mean that's i mean that's the thing like it kind of goes back to our, our our gem of an idea of debt and maladies like you know in catherine you're chased by a giant baby uh because in your waking life your girlfriend may be pregnant yeah uh and then like later in the game you're trusted by this like horror bride yeah that, like, because your spikes for hands because your girlfriend from for several years thinks she's pregnant and wants to marry you all of a sudden and you're this 25 something bachelor in japan and you're like what the hell am i doing with my life and then there's this really hot blonde chick also named Catherine, that you've slept with multiple times that you that has something to do with everything that's going it, on. It's a weird game. Um, and, and, and also in the vein of Denton Maladies, Darkest Dungeon. What a <laughs> wonderful <laughs> game that is. Because Denton Maladies are a very large part of that game yeah. uh, in that you are the uh, proprietor of an estate. Your your ancestor has left you this, this nice estate. And then after blowing his brains out all over the wall while the entire town comes to kill him for some reason that he will not yeah, reveal to some you. some reason. So it's your job to delve into the the estate using, you know, disposable adventures who don't get attached uh, <laughs> and, and try to drive out the evil that has taken root. Yeah, like, it, this is really, like, a lot of it feels straight up dark fantasy. You're dealing with, like, horrors from another realm. You're dealing with the undead and stuff. But where it gets really horrific is your adventures as you go through these dungeons not just have a health track, they also have a, uh, basically a stress track, which is basically their insanity. And they literally can die from a heart attack if they get too much stress. Plus, they can get diseases that, unless you cure them, stay on their character. They can get, like, flaws, which are negative quirks that will affect your character until you get and get rid of them. And the whole point is you have to manage them, their sanity, their health, their maladies, your own resources. And sometimes the RNG will fuck you. Yes. It's so hard... And someone you care about will just die. There's no saving. Yep. The mo- you can't go back. And you can't go back. Well, th- there is saving. You just don't control it. Um, so, you know, these games we're talking about, uh, I-, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt that many of our listeners already know about them. But there are some really good older games mm-hmm. that do, do horror really well. Well, we're gonna bring a Phantasmagoria now. Is that oh, what we're Phantasmagoria? Yeah, cool. a little bit, a little bit of. Little well, the bit one that the actually. Gore problems there. Actually, a uh, 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 little personal history. Uh, probably one of the first games I ever played on my computer. Uh, this is the first uh, game. 
Yeah, this was the first game that I got after I had gotten my first CD-ROM drive installed in my computer. There was a oh, time man. when, computer, listen, you, when listen, computers didn't come with there. those, and you had to buy them special and get them installed because they were new. Or they were outboard. Or they were outboard, yeah. Uh, and this just shows how old I am. So the first game that I played that utilized the brand spanking new CD-ROM that I had gotten for Christmas, but that, that my parents had installed like three weeks earlier and forbidden me from using... Uh, until, until Christmas, yeah, that was that was some, that was some torture porn like parenting right there, um, because like I just want to play my audio CDs. I don't want to play the games. I want to play my audio CDs. No, um, but anyway, the game, the first game that I played uh, with the, the CD-ROM was a game called The Seventh Guest. I remember that. I played a lot of it like at media play and like they had it on like display. Oh, yeah. That game was creepy as shit. Um, it played with you, it, it did, I mean, it's real rudimentary now, like, if you go back and you try and play this game, don't expect, like, you know, a graphical masterpiece or whatnot. I mean, they remastered it a little while, a few years ago, I actually think they remastered it. They have? I think, I think they did, I actually seem to remember one of, uh... That's one of, that's an old, that's a real, I forgot who made it. Wasn't the Seventh Guest, like, originally, like, Monkey Island 1 level graphics, but then got remastered, or was it... Seventh Guest always had, it, it had rudimentary 3D. Uh, and like live action. Oh, it's AM. It, it, oh, yeah, oh, FMV. FMV. FMV horror was a big thing in the nineties. Really was. Uh, but it was genuinely creepy. Like there is a section in that game, uh, wherein you're going through like an underground maze, uh, and like the guy whose house you're in is like taunting you and telling and like you know, ugh, God, I still get chills, uh, going up the sand. Uh, and that was an era of gaming for me where I uh, I played a lot of computer games with my mom. Uh, so we played that one together, uh, and we uh, yes, it was Virgin Interactive that yeah, made that Virgin game. Interactive. Um, yeah, but it was a very well game. It had a sequel called The Eleventh Hour. I believe they had an Indiegogo or, or a Kickstarter recently to try and get a, a third one mm. uh, out. I don't know whether they succeeded or not. Ah, uh, yes, this one. Okay, I, I was. I'm just. Yeah, looking at you'll now. you'll you'll recognize it the moment you see it. But that is that was very creepy. Uh, another point-and-click adventure game, uh, kind of like Frembo, but a lot older. I have no mouth, but as a precursor to to that, like that was before a lot of point and click mm-hmm. adventure games. It started that yeah. because it was using actual 3D graphics, which mm-hmm. amazed people at the time when they yeah. had it. That oh, it was, was revolutionary. Yeah, uh, oh. but like I was saying, there's also I have no mouth, but I'm a scream, which is a, also a short story uh, oh, that is yeah, equally fucked is, up. Yeah, the video yeah. game is based on the short story, uh, and it's. I mean that really that incorporated, uh, you know that that had a dual world mechanic too. Uh, but like it, the conceit of the game is that you're the last seven human beings alive, and an AI is fucking with you, as far as I remember it. I don't know if that's that's. Uh, it's I, very I, close. That's it's very, very close. it's very close. Ooh, yeah, there's this. The great... one that I'm thinking of, I might not be thinking of the right one, but it's one that uses the art style of H.R. Giger. Um, oh no 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 thinking... no! You're thinking of Darkseed. Oh yeah, that's right, Darkseed. Which okay. is the most like moon logic yeah. weird crazy i have no mouth but i'm a scream is is not that it is more uh it's a click based adventure it's click based adventure monkey island level graphic okay, monkey right. island 2 level graphics yeah. kind of ish and also but the concept of the game is you're the last seven human beings alive and an ai is torturing oh, you yeah because it's up. trying to understand humanity i think well no it's just trying to inflict pain at this point it understands humanity and has already killed most of you oh, okay. it's doing it because it takes pleasure in hurting you and that you get also, to... another older game system shock that Gaming, you stole it. I was going to say System Shock. Because System Shock, I remember playing my... I hadn't played System Shock. And this was only... This is like maybe eight, ten years ago when you told me, hey, you should play this game. It's all 
or no, System Shock 2. Yeah, System yeah. Shock 2. Is he told me, play this game, called System Shock 2, you'll really like it. And I played it, and I loaded it, and within 45 minutes, I was like, holy shit, I gotta stop playing this game. Because <laughs> it was horrifying, because I'm a role player, uh, and I think with images, and I, my sus- suspension of disbelief is very high. Mm-hmm. I can get into things very easy. I love movies. And so anything like that where they give you the narrative by yourself, they give you the vignette of like the weird mutant creature shooting, gunning down this person, and you're all by yourself. You have nothing on you. And you're helpless. You're, you're, you're really mm-hmm. helpless. All you have is your wits and movement. That gets me, and it's very terrifying to me. And so... And then, then you get into the actual like nitty gritty of the story of mm-hmm. why everyone's dead or mutated, um, and what you have to do to survive and potentially thrive in this environment. And man, System Shock too. Yeah, but you really like Dead Space. Okay, yes, Dead Space One. I had to really work chew through. That was one where I was like, I played it for an hour. I'm going to walk away. <laughs> um, a, you're a little bit. A, it's more of a modern game, so that has a better... You're a little more responsive. You're a little more mm-hmm. interactive. Um, I like Dead Space 2 because I like the creature design. It was truly horrific. Like, you're, we're talking... I consider Dead Space and Dead Space 2 on the level of, like, Alien and Aliens as far as the aesthetic of horror. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Trap, space is a beautiful venue yeah. to be trapped alone and scared, right? Also, I love the idea of, like... The reason I like Dead Space is, is you're an engineer. You fix ships. You're not a Marine. You're not a badass. You don't feel like a badass since Dead Space 1. You don't. You feel like a dude who knows how to jerry-rig some engineering stuff and to kill a whole bunch of monsters. But it was still a cool story because I was I love the cult aspect of Dead mm-hmm. Space. The story of it was very enticing to me beyond the point of getting past any sort of like reservations of horror that I had. Gotcha. So I think we may have fallen down a little bit in that we haven't talked about Eternal Darkness in Sanity's Requiem. Ooh, oh, I yeah. was thinking about that earlier. Oh my god, what a wonderful, what a wonderful... That's one of the few games where I have... If you ever listen to me play it, you might just hear me saying, oh fuck, oh fuck, oh fuck, oh fuck, oh fuck, oh fuck, because there's a zombie on me, or something's chasing me. It's like, I don't get that reaction with a lot of things, but that game really did it to me. Even though by the end, you actually do have like enough balls to take care of the issue. It really, really starts you small. Is that the one where you have a sanity meter? Yep. You have magic sanity and health, and and it the game starts screwing with you as your sanity gets lower by like saying yep. it deleted your game, blue screening on yep. you, pieces of your body your head, start falling. Yeah. It starts reciting Shakespeare to you because ha ha ha. But uh, another yeah. game very much like that was a. Uh, uh, Call of Cthulhu: Dark Corners of the Earth, mm. um, which was a game that screwed with you. It had, it didn't have a visible sanity meter. It just bad things happened to you, and you started to mess up. Um, like you know, you'd hear things. The the screen would go go fuzzy. You'd see a save point, but then it would disappear. That's happening a lot late, lot lately in video games, especially horror video games. Is doing the meta thing of I'm going to fuck with your computer while you're playing the game to make it feel more real to you. Uh, I mean, we talked about this earlier, but Undertale. Yep. Undertale is a, had meant, like, the ending... Undertale, in its under, underpinnings, is a horror game in a number of ways. Oh, There's yeah. a lot of personal horror and, like, horrific stuff going on yeah. in that game once you know what's actually going down. Yeah. But anyway, uh, talking about Dark Corners of the Earth, I have a story about Dark Corners sure. of the sorry, Earth. Sure, sorry, sorry, sorry. 
so uh, in Dark Corners of the Earth, it's loosely based on the story of the Shadow out of Innsmouth mm-hmm. uh, from H.P. Lovecraft. So you're going around Innsmouth, and it's a terrible town, and there's terrible fish people, and you're slowly, um, you're slowly, you know, unraveling this mystery and going insane. And there's a part of it where you're trying to find this little girl, or this little girl is following you. There's a little girl, and she does creepy little girl things. So I'm playing this game. I'm playing it over at my friend's house. Um, and I'm at the section of the game where there's the little girl, and she's messing with me, and I'm trying to find her, and all this stuff. And, like, I'm hearing... I start hearing, like, this little girl voice, like, off to the side. Um, and it, it, it fades in and out, it fades in and out, and it's not really corresponding to anything that's happening on the screen. And occasionally I will hear it, and, and, and the little girl voice will, will show up, and it, it is happening on something on the screen. But there's also this other little girl voice, like, off to my left, always off to my left. I'm like, what the hell is this game doing about it? About 20 minutes into this, I realize that my friend's daughter is playing outside the window and just, like, singing songs and laughing and doing little girl stuff. But in conjunction with the game I'm playing, I nearly shit myself. It got so bad. <laughs> I, I th- and I think there's, I mean, there's some tropes that we can all just agree with, right? Like little girls singing in the distance, scary, yeah. always scary. Uh, yeah. Especially but... when it doesn't, because horror is about things don't feel their their juxtaposition to the situation you're in. Feeling out of place, yes. feeling out of, you know, out of feeling, feeling isolated. It's, it's those are all the aspects for it, and that's why I think video games just like I, I feel like as far as like genre in which you can really like like just put someone into it and like really make them care. I think, I think video games do it better than movies in a lot of cases. Um, yeah. Because you, you are the active participant, right? Yeah. You're the you guy. The yeah. You're the person. You. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, uh, books. I mean, I've read a, a bit of horror uh, fiction as well. Uh, one that I read recently was, uh, Joe Hills, which is Stephen King's son writes a better ending by the way. Um, mm-hmm. book called heart shaped box. Now, there's a monster in Heart-Shaped Box, but you meet it in, like, Chapter 3. Yeah. You know the monster. It follows you around. It screws with you. What, knowing why the monster is such a dick and who he is and what he's done really only is, is how the buildup goes. But he really just spends, like, 85% of the book fucking with the protagonist of the book. And, uh, and it was actually a very good juxtaposition of like the usual, like, oh, you'd never see the monster's face until the very end, blah, 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 blah. No, he's he's sitting in your living room in Chapter 3. He's staring at you and he's screwing with you. And it just sort of drives it like, it was a good it was a good use of a horror monster. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, if, if we're going off, uh, for going off topic, uh, the movie Mama, um, mm-hmm. which was produced by Guillermo del Toro, um, uh, Love that man's work. Yeah, he does a really good job. And and this particular movie, um, it starts off doing the show don't tell thing, uh, and you get you get to see more and more of the monster as you go, the more and more of the ghost. But it reaches a point where it stops hiding the ghost. And it shows you how horrifying and it shows it is. you how horrifying it is, and it still remains terrifying because the thing that the ghost is doing, and the 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 sort of the motivations of the thing are still creepy, are still scary, and even though it's you know in full view, you see it, you know what it looks like, you know what its deal is, still skin crawling. Well, it's also you can understand it. This is actually Mama's interesting story, horror story, because you actually start understanding some of the motivations behind what the ghost is doing. 
and you relate to it in mm-hmm. some respects. It, and that's what makes it very I mean, engaging. Relatable monsters are actually a very, like, I think they're kind of a newer thing in in the horror. I mean, they may not be. I mean, I'm mean, I mean, just talking at my ass here. But, like, I feel like there's a big, been a bigger influx of, oh, yeah, there's the monster, and you understand why it's a monster. Oh. The villain's terrible. Well, and when I say monster, I don't necessarily equate to villain because the monster and the villain are not always the same thing. For they sure. typically are, but if for an empathic or empathetic, sympathetic monster, creates a sense of uh, sort of gravity. It's like, this is me, this could be me. I but, see a bit of myself in this. Exactly. And, it's and, like Beauty and the Beast. You understand the beast, even though he's this big, hairy, crazy monster, is because you understand that he was cursed and that all he needs to do is look for love and be a good person. And guys, I know it sounds like we're rambling a lot into every single genre and every single form and format, but at the end of the day, what this comes down to is horror is really where role-playing, like being a role-player, like it affects you more. Like Matthew said, we're people who, as a general rule, suspend our disbelief and become engaged a a lot. Yeah. easier than most. Yeah, we're willing so, to go that extra step. So horror really engages, like, tabletop nerds a lot, I think. I, I've known many, many tabletop people and, who... And it's a challenge, just like you said, Ryan. It's hard for you to feel ter- fear and horror and get into a horror game at a tabletop. Therefore, I see a lot of writers, a lot of mm-hmm. developers go, you know what? Let's see if I can tweak things just enough. It, a lot of times through mechanics mm-hmm. to start getting the the player into the right headspace to feel scared or conflicted one of the only tabletop experiences i've been a part of i wasn't in it for a long that came close enough was little fears yes Ooh, yeah and little fears is a game where i believe you just play a little kid your entire thing is you're a little kid and you have very the stats are very minimalistic you're not very powerful the world can kind of do with you as it will and everyone involved in that table was, like, on board. Like, they were all just on board to yeah, be these scared children. Yeah, everyone is somewhere between, I think, the ages of, like, 4 and, like, 11 or 12. Yeah. Like, and that's the age range you can play. I believe even younger than that. I believe, like, it stops at 10, but, I mean, it doesn't yeah. really matter. Like, the point of it is, like, you're a bunch of scared children, and you actually... And I think that aspect of it is, like, yeah, you, you can do stuff, you have ability and stuff like that. But the the idea of having to put yourself back into the headspace of a five year old or a six year old or a seven year old dealing with these terrors is actually it was actually a very very brilliant move because yeah. you're probably more willing to be afraid in a, when you feel utterly helpless as you did when you were a child. So I mean suspension of disbelief, um, definitely a sense of tension and a definitely a sense of isolation and otherness is important to generating sort of horror and horror like things i like little fears because i remember it being explained to me and one of the things was uh when you're in little fears you're fighting the things under the bed you're fighting the things in the closet but the adults obviously cannot see it don't know it they've forgotten about it when they were young enough and so you are fighting something that no one else understands and that isolates you that means only your friends that are similar age can't even relate to you that this is going, this is happening. And they did a very good job of routing it through a a part of your brain that, like, I think we all can take a step back and remember being a child and just trying to make yourself understood to an adult and then just not understanding what was upsetting you. And that game taps right into that. And for 
people like you know, me, that actually like agitates me a little bit. Like it's an agitating memory. So that, okay. So guess what? Okay, I guess Little Fears does it. I guess Little Fears could probably put me in a place where I would actually be upset at the table. Might be a little scared at the table because it taps into that. And, and again, horror part. and tabletop gaming is not for everyone. You, it's definitely I would say, sort of if you're going to try to do it, it's the big boys table because mm. you have to let yourself not be the biggest and best in the situation. You have to allow yourself to be afraid and weak. And yeah. weak. It's also intensely subjective. Uh, like you know, everyone has things that get to them that might not get to other people. Like, you know, Ryan, you said, you know, little fears that gets to you because it taps into, you know, things and feelings and insecurities and and memories that, you know, are particularly troubling for you. Uh, And, you know, that might be what you need to do if you're trying to chase that. If you're trying to chase that feeling and chase that experience, it might be finding the right mix to hit your fear buttons. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, as we said, tabletop does personal fear the best so if you you want to get that fix of fear and horror you may want best to go to games that are like that like call cthulhu uh wraith uh vampire werewolf any of those if you're looking for the oh god i'm a monster john genre of game like that horror it can be done all day long in tabletop and white wolf kind of has that shit on bread and butter yeah they they got that shit on lock boy oh boy have they paid the bills on that (laughs) i mean like also like there's games like dark heresy and all of that and black crusade which have horrific elements but it's definitely in my opinion solidly dark fantasy because you're a badass with a gun and there are horrifying things that can rip your head off in one swing but you're a badass with a gun and you're gonna try to take back whatever you want and so there's too much there's too much agency there. Oh God, playing playing a normal person in the in the Warhammer 40k universe that would be horrific. That's what Dark Heresy is. You kind of are it starting. Yeah, but you have the Dark Heresy. You have the might of the Empire behind you. You're, sort of. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm talking about like a normal person. But yeah, if you're a normal dude, you're fucking. I, I feel like playing like I've never done it before, but I feel like if you did it the right atmosphere, playing a mortal in the world of darkness might actually yeah. be a uh, really hunter. Gets really close to that, in my opinion, the hunter of the reckoning is you play a normal dude. Yes, you're not normal. You do have superpowers, but very few of the powers are under your direct control. And the only thing, the thing about that is the only real power you have that is in your control is I get to see that the monsters are real. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't have the veil of ignorance or my own fear to cloud that from my mind. It's like, no, you get to see that, 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 that Fred over there, it's you, you know that he ate his daughter and he's a zombie. It's like, yeah. No one will believe me mm-hmm. if I tell them, and I have to live with that truth. That yep. truth is real. I mean, I mean, you can. I think going back to Chronicles of Darkness slash New World of Darkness, uh, Blue Book, you can play a normal dude. Yep. Uh, you can mm-hmm. play a normal dude. Uh, you can play a normal dude and not be in the setting of the World of Darkness. You can just use that to play games and have whatever whatever terrible shit happen to you. It's a really good normal dude simulator. And no, wanted... you, and no you can't take the Krav Maga abilities. <laughs> Steve. Steve. Uh, I don't know who Steve is. Uh, that's I, just, actually... I just needed a name. Yeah. Maybe Chad? Chad. 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 No. no, you Chad. can't be a Kung Fu master mortal Chad. I want you to take the Hurt Locker, which is the, the, the World of Darkness combat book. I want you to take that book and I want you to shove it up your ass. Not, not, we're using, not using it. Not using it. Now, I mean, I... 
it's funny you said the blue book of the New World of Darkness. That's actually where I want to actually run a horror survival horror game set in a zombie apocalypse. Is all you do is you literally make like five to six characters and you have them ready to go because I'm it's just going to be a zombie apocalypse, which means you're going to start running through them. I promise. Hmm. That just has no interest to me whatsoever anymore. I think it'd be a lot of fun for a couple sessions because everyone has to like meticulously think about what they're doing. And, that and, sounds like a three-session gig. Yeah, and that's fine. Games, I think something I think we, we never really hit on the topic of, and we won't go into great depth right now, but games don't need to be long, long campaigns. They can be a couple sessions. Yeah, Legend of the you Wulin. You can tell a specific story. Legend of the Wulin has uh, actually, as part of its uh, setting, is like, is this a episode? Is this a story? Or is this like a movie? Like, is this, you know... Is it a three-month game? Is it a one-year game? Or is it a three-year game? You know, like... Where do you, you want it? You need to mess with progression and stuff based on that, or if there is progression at all. Yep. Um, so, yeah, and honestly, like, you want to take me out of horror real quick, give me progression. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, I think we've said a lot about dark fantasy, a lot about horror in tabletop and in other media, as it were. So I think we're going to wrap it up here tonight. Um, if you guys like this episode and you want to shoot us back with some feedback and you want us to, to talk about some new topics, feel free to go to polyhedronpodcast at gmail.com. That is our email address. It'll likely start like, like this where we do our damnedest to try to keep it to tabletop and then death spiral out into like books, movies, video games, and everything else. It all iterates. It all feeds the same sort of yeah, beast, I mean, right? You, you, um... Something I like to say about role-playing, uh, especially running games, is, uh, you know, running a game is 90% cr uh, creative theft. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the remaining 10% is uncreative theft. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Bravo. Bravo. Uh, so, you know, learning from, taking, taking from things outside the, the, the medium, movies, books, TV shows, music even, uh, to, to fuel your game and, and draw from is, a, is a, it's an excellent tool. Yeah. Um, and if you also, uh, if you want to hit us up, if you really, really, really like the podcast, uh, go over to patreon.com slash polyhedron and become a patron today. Um, you know what's at stake. Yeah. I mean, we it supports the show. It supports headcanon games. It lets us get better equipment. It lets us do more with the show. I want to be able to do stuff, but I, there's a little bit of a barrier to entry via money that I need in order to do this. I Because we three do this out of the goodness of our hearts. We like doing this. We like talking about this stuff. So, again, if you're really interested and you really want to support us, go to patreon.com slash polyhedron. And, of course, if you want to talk to us directly, you can always tweet at us. Uh, Ryan, where can people find you? Arduous. R-J-U-O-U-S on Twitter. I'm a gargoyle. <laughs> I am at BioImportance. And I am at DivisMalkav. Excellent. Uh, well, this was a very good and thoughtful discussion, everyone. And uh, I just want to say, go where your fun is. Go roll some dice. <laughs>